Hi, I'm Jeannie Patel-Thompson from ListenToYourGut.com, and today we are talking about the healing power of flower essences. I have Katie Hess from LotusWay.com. That's Lotus, L-O-T-U-S, Way, W-E-I.com. And Katie, I'm, I'm just going to jump right in and start and let you explain what flower essences are and how they work. Um, and I know in your website you compare them to cell phones and you, you talk about wave technology. And so let's just get right in there and you let us know um, basically what's the science behind it? What's the explanation for how flower essences work and why we would want to use them with our bodies? So the science behind flower essences is called sympathetic resonance. It's a pretty simple physics principle that we probably all learned in seventh grade physics. And that's where if you had a guitar sitting on your lap, when without touching the strings you were singing the note C, for example, then the C string would start to buzz because the strings will start to resonate with the waves in your vocal cords and the sound coming from your vocal cords. Right. And so in the same way, flowers have a similar type of energy that cannot be seen or heard, similar to cell phones actually, but instead of, like with a cell phone, having a particular kind of wave that's not um, not necessarily working with the body, um, it's a specific kind of wave that rejuvenates the body. And um, it works through the acupuncture meridians of, and... Um, so flower essences are a liquid infusion. So, I mean, in very simple terms, you soak flowers in water and the light from the sun will transfer that sort of life force or chi energy of the flowers into the water. And then using organic alcohol to preserve it, you do further dilution similar to the homeopathy process. So in a sense, it's like capturing the music of the flowers or the plants or the trees in water, preserving it with alcohol. And I love that, capturing the music of the flowers and trees. That's fabulous. <laughs> and so can you give me, can you tell me, because um, you, you, before you even launched your website and stuff, you were doing personal consults for people and, and um, creating personalized remedies for them. Can you, and I'm going to ask you how you got into this all, but but first I want to know, could you give me um, just a couple of client stories? Like, tell me what kind of person is coming to you and what are their problems and then how can a flower essence help them? Right. I mean, I would typically see, I don't do consultations anymore because the business is just really going wild right now. But when I was seeing people up until about um, a year or so ago, there were two reasons that people would come in. And one was something's not right in my life. Something's not going right. I don't feel good. There's something particular that's bothering me, and I want to fix it. And then the second reason people would come in is they'd say, I love my life. It's going wonderfully. Everything's fantastic. But I have this little feeling that it could be even more, that I haven't really tapped my full potential. And, right. Um. So typically within the first month what happens when you're taking flower essences regularly is that any type of emotions that shift you out of your balance point dissolve. So any kind of anxiety, sadness, irritation, anger, um, any kind of disturbing emotions will dissolve or reduce greatly in the first month. So it's kind of like a honeymoon period, we call it. Right. 
And then after that, if you keep taking flower essences regularly, you'll notice certain things about yourself that you didn't notice before. Like, for example, um, I generally like to consider myself a person who's kind of peaceful and calm and, and things don't really bother me so much. But I remember at one point taking flower essences and thinking, wow, I'm such an impatient person. I can't believe it. I thought I was the most patient, peaceful person in the world. I'm actually quite impatient. And so in a sense, it's like suddenly you take a step back and you see yourself from a different perspective. So they have this really gentle, kind, subtle way of just sort of showing you yourself, kind of mirroring back. And then that way you can choose um, how you want to react to things. It gives you more space. That would be the top thing I would say people report back to us is that it gives you more space between um, your reactions so that you can just sort of see them, but you don't have to um, be right in them, if that makes sense. Right. Yes, exactly. You can kind of be in more of the observer position and go, oh, that's interesting. Why am I doing that? Or <laughs> Right. And then I would say around four to six months is when I would always see people having these pretty great uh, huge changes like career change, relationships, um, something major in their life would shift. So it's like it takes you t- takes time for the outside world to catch up with what's coming from the inside world and reflect that back to you. So, um, I mean, typical stories in the beginning, in the first month, uh, suddenly people can sleep deeply whereas they weren't sleeping before or um, having a lot of anxiety and that goes away in the first month. Um, or noticing um, like particular dynamics in relationships, and that gets a lot easier. Um, so, let's see particular stories. Um, well, let me let me jump in with a question here because yeah, yeah. right at the beginning you had said um, that you know people are feeling some emotions, you know, like anger or whatever, and then they disappear. But what if the what if the emotion is there for a reason? Right, so then you talked about well, it it can give you space in experiencing the emotion, so you can pull back and say, "Wow, I'm really angry. That's kind of interesting. Why is that?" So, is it like what? Where does the the emotion just disappearing come in, and where does the becoming aware of the emotion, so you can then deal with the root source? Right, like let's say you're right. angry because you overschedule yourself every day and you have too much every day. And so it, you feel driven every day and that makes you sh- short-tempered and so you're experiencing a lot of anger. How does, like explain to me the balance of that process between awareness and then actually having to do something about it versus it just disappearing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the actual source of the stress doesn't disappear, of course. We're all going to have challenges in life. Um, but the, it's like the trigger or the edge comes off of it and uh. gives you a chance for the insight to arise. So I would say within the first month, and you know, where something would normally make you angry, you would just sort of take a step back and say, oh, wow, I'm overscheduling again. Why did I do that? Okay, you know what, I'm going to put more space in my calendar for ne- for tomorrow or for next week. Okay, I've got you. So if you, it's so, almost so, like having a personal Zen instructor inside of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean, instead of so instead of it affecting your body, I mean, that's the key thing is we have thoughts that then trigger emotions, and then that has an that emotional response has a physical response in the body. So you might have your blood pressure go up, or 
you feel hot in your face. Um, there's all different kinds of reactions to the emotions that you have. So instead of it getting all the way to the physical level, you're seeing it while it's still on the mind level. And like, oh, I'm angry because I'm taking on too much or I'm being taken advantage of. And then you can make a different decision right then and there with that insight before it gets to affecting the physical body. Exactly. that, And that really resonates with what... Um Dr. Bruce Lipton says about, and he's a famous geneticist and epigeneticist, and he says that basically 95 to 98% of illness and disease is caused by stress. It's caused by the us, first of all, having a perception of whatever the triggering event is, like so overscheduling. I perceive that as being stressful. Therefore, that stress creates a biochemical cascade reaction within my body that's negative, and it also, um, you know, alters my genes at the genetic level because we used to think that genes were just fixed, and now we know from this, from the epigenetics research that genes are actually completely changeable based on your perceptions. And how you feel about something and whether you feel safe or whether you feel tells yourselves whether to shut down or whether to keep functioning and letting everything flow in and out to keep the body healthy. So it's very interesting that because we're used to when we deal with physical imbalance, we deal at a very gross level. We deal with the physical body. And what you're doing is you're you're kind of saying, well, let's go two or three steps back before we're even into the biochemical cascade, before we're even into what's happening in the cellular level, and let's address the dis-ease, the imbalance at that level. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's what most people who are into vibrational medicine would would accept the idea that if you were going to project an image on the screen and there was a little um, shadow on the screen, you wouldn't go to the screen to try to remove it. You go back to the projector and see if there's a piece of dust on the lens and remove it. And so in the same way, the body is actually the screen, and where it's being projected from is, you could say, the mind, the emotions, and the energy fields that exist within and around your body. And so you can, by adjusting those um, fields, you can prevent disease from even you know reaching your physical body. And then what do you do, like back when you were doing consults, if somebody, did you ever have someone come to you because of a purely physical complaint? Um, and then how did you, tell me about what happened then. Yeah, and my feeling is that if it's already manifested itself in the physical body, then you want to um you want to couple the flower essence therapy with physical remedies. Mm. Um, so, you know, people are going to need herbs or they need body work or they'll need um a lot of different things for their physical body, maybe sweating, detox, um maybe medicine in certain cases. Um and but what you can do Concordantly, is start to shift the energy, um, the emotions around the illness, or maybe being tired or feeling not well, and you can um, start shifting it from that level. Just in terms of feeling more upbeat, you know, when you get sick, you tend to feel down, or sometimes you feel hopeless, or why is this happening to me? And so, at least you can target those emotions and have more sense of confidence of getting through the illness. Wow, that would change everything. Right, right. Because I know from, you know, having had a chronic illness, that, and what I hear from my readers is that that 
discouragement and that, oh my gosh, this again, I thought I was making progress, I'm still here or you know, when you know, because healing happens in cycles, it's like a spiral and you you move up but there's dips down and there's healing crises and things like that and then to have something to I guess again give you the space in that situation to pull back and say, No, this is just the next layer being offered up for healing. This is my body telling me where I need to go next, what I need to heal next, and it's all positive instead of feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm still <laughs> sick. I'm still, you know. Right, right. Um, yeah, and so it, that, that, go ahead. It gives you a sense of when to sort of push and when to say, oh, okay, I need a break today. I need to curl up under the covers and just rest. Because I think in our culture we tend to push ourselves a lot. And so. It's nice to have more gentleness and a barometer of, okay, when when should I get up and go and when do I really just need to nurture myself? Yes. Yeah, the nurturing is, you're right, our our whole culture and our um, ethos and everything is not geared towards nurturing and resting. Right. And and you see it, you don't you don't just see it with people who are ill and that's that's the other thing about illness in our culture. That's like one of the only reasons that someone can feel justified for taking a day in bed while I'm sick. Oh, okay then. Hope you feel better. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, have you ever, if someone were to say, no, I'm staying in bed today because, you know, I just, I need to chill out and connect. And people would be like, what? Well, nice for some. <laughs> Right, old suits are good for you. I'm glad you can do that. Right, you those are the kinds of responses you could you would get. Right, and and the other thing that you know always you know and still never ceases to amaze me is you know women in our culture after they give birth, and it's almost like a competition as to who can be up and at it you know, immediately after the birth. And it's a source of pride because I have three kids, so I'm around a lot of people with kids. And, you know, I just remember the stories from women and, and them saying, oh, yeah, I gave birth, and 24 hours later I went mountain mountain climbing. I'm like, and you're thinking that's a good thing? Like, how's your uterus going to go back into position? You know, but the whole thing was this, like, yo, I'm an Amazon. I can give birth, and 24 hours later I can be back up and at it. I'm, I rock. And it's like... Like you said, where's the nurturing gone in our culture? Where's the gentleness mm-hmm. and and the caring of of the self and all those types of things? Yeah, and I think that's coming back. I mean, I think as women, we felt over the years that we need to act more like men and and be more out there. And I think we're coming to a place that we have power in our innate qualities and in the, in the nurturing and the space. And I loved what you were saying about um, being able to take a break just because you want to you know, take a day off. And I was really uh, amazed watching a presentation by, I don't know if you've heard of Pilar uh, Gerasimo from Experience Life magazine, and she was talking about ultradian rhythms. And uh-huh. I had heard of circadian rhythms, but I'd never heard of ultradian rhythms. And she was saying that after 90 minutes of activity, whether you're on your computer or you're at work or out and about, you need a break, a small break for 15 minutes just to shift gears, that your body's actually created enough metabolic waste that you need to sort of sort that out in, in, in a break. And so that, I think, makes sense to people is to say, after 90 minutes of activity, I just need to take a break, otherwise my pro- my productivity will go down. And she actually showed some charts and said, if you if you feel that little dip, and then you push through or you get up and have a coffee or something sweet to keep you going, and you just keep pushing, throughout your day your productivity goes down. And then over time, 
your productivity goes down. And so it really just becomes, you know, logical for us to say, I really have to take more breaks, otherwise I'll just crash and burn. Well, and it's interesting, too, because that that reminded me of, you know, my son, he's 12, and he said, you know, I just I need to stay home from school today because I just need a break. And, and I was like, well, and so I was thinking about that. Um, and, you know, my husband, Ian, he's quite, you know, kids are always trying to get out of going to school, you know, so I've kind of got that playing in the back of my mind. And then he's, and he looks at me and he says, do you know how many days off the other kids in my classroom take because they're sick? And he said, do you need me to get sick to take a break day? I was like, no, I absolutely do not. And I thought, yeah, you know, that's the essence of it. He, right there is our culture. Well, you can stay home from school as long as you get sick. What are we teaching our kids? What are we? But if they say, I need a break, because, you know, I need a break. I'm overwhelmed. I've had enough, and I need a break. Why isn't that a good enough reason? Why do, we have to, why do they have to be sick to take a break from school? Right, and that's, uh, I think, a cultural pattern that's pretty deeply ingrained, and that's one of the areas where fluorescences can help, is what kind of patterns and what kind of habits are we running on? And there's the cultural patterns, and there are also the family patterns or things that we grew up with from our parents or grandparents. My fluorescence teacher used to say that we carry in our genetic makeup up to six generations back of cellular memory. So if we yeah. would, could actually sit down and have a conversation with our great-grandmothers, some of the same things that they were experiencing and thinking might be some of the same things we are. And so fluorescences would would be able to really um, bring out who the real you is versus, like you said, um, the other kids at school are getting sick or do I need to get sick in order to take a break, um, doing what's really right for you versus all of these ingrained patterns. Mm-hmm. And you see that with... Um you know, kids who've been adopted from birth and then they reunite with, and they have, you know, the same mannerisms, they have the same, they hold their fork the same way as everybody in, in the family has done. Or, You know, it's quite interesting to say, well, even if you completely take them out of the family, um, you know, of origin, they will still manifest of many of the same traits um, in a completely different environment, even if they've been moved to a completely different country. So absolutely, and the generational thing, definitely. I'm, I've seen lots of evidence with that. So now going back to what you said about if if the um, imbalance has already progressed to the physical body, people need other, um, you know, help. This is a question that came in from Linda from Los Angeles. She said, do flower essences work better with homeopathics or plant herbal medicine, and does it matter? It doesn't matter. They'll, they'll make friends with anybody. I mean, you, if if someone, I, I suggest fluorescences to people on chemotherapy, on radiation, on Western medications, homeopathy, plant medicines, everything. I mean, uh, I would say there, with people taking Western pharmaceuticals, there might be just a little bit more of a delay uh, for the fluorescences to work, especially um, not talking about, like, blood pressure regulators, I'm talking about um, psychotropic medication. So, if some, for example, if someone is taking um, something to affect mood, it might take the flower essence a little bit longer to have as much of an effect, maybe a month or so. But I think they work well with any type of treatment. I mean, personally, myself, I would recommend more plant-based medicines, homeopathy, and herbs 
acupuncture, Chinese, and Ayurvedic medicine, if at all possible, before going to Western pharmaceuticals. But to answer Linda's question, no, I mean, you can combine it with anything. There won't be any contraindications or, or negative side effects. Gotcha. And I've got um, another question here from Natalia from Massachusetts, and she wants to know about the harvesting process. So when she's written here, full moon, <laughs> so obviously she knows a little bit about um, what you do. So can you tell us how you, because I know you said that you, you you steep them in water and sunlight. Um, what else is involved with with that whole process? You're looking at environmental factors, so definitely the cycles of the moon. If you talk to any of the old guys in the wineries, they'll say pick the grapes when it's full moon because the vines will absorb all of the water to their plant and the grapes will be the juiciest. Wow, um, I never knew that. Yeah, so you know that you know that the the moon affects tides, right? So it's affecting water in our bodies and the plants. Oh, of the course, of course. So in that same way, if you have plants around your house, you can pay, and you can see a difference when it's full moon. You'll see this explosion of blooms all over the plant, the flowers. And so you'll generally find that the plants have the most chi during full moon and new moon. That being said, I think the most important thing is the state of mind of the practitioner who's collecting the flower essences. So I mean, mm. some some full moons are really tough and they make you cranky, and so then you would just you know pick a day. Pick a different day if you didn't feel emotionally neutral. That's the most important thing. Um, and then in terms of where you collect the flower essence is also really important. It needs to be growing in the ground. So you can't make flower essences from cut flowers. Right. It has to be connected to the earth. And you can find really wonderful flowers growing in people's gardens that are organic um, and then also the best I find is to find them out in, in the wild. Right. And so you have, so for your product, are you, um, do you have cultivators who are, because, you know, once you go, you said your business is going crazy. So if you're going into bigger production, do you need to, can you still gather from the wild or do you need to have people growing organic gardens where things are a bit more controlled? Yeah, that's that's the interesting thing. It's one of the most sustainable forms of natural medicine because in one collection trip, you could have enough to last one to two years. So, yeah, you can oh, wow. definitely still collect from the wild. And it really it only takes a few blooms. So it's not like, I, you know, I love essential oils and we use aromatherapy all the time. But at the same time, I feel like, wow, you know, in this 20 drops of, rose oil, how many roses had to be grown and harvested and cared for and distilled and this incredible amount of love and human labor that goes into it. Um, but then also you have all that plant material, whereas with flower essences, you you only really need a few flowers. Interesting. That's yeah, because I had just assumed we were we were looking at a similar process to perfume and, and harvesting. Um so that that brings us to another question here. Um, oh, well, let me see. I just lost it for a sec. Okay, here. What about people with hay fever or sensitivities to fragrance? Can they still use your products? Okay, sensitivities to fragrance is one thing, and then allergies is the second thing. Allergies, um, so you can still take flower essences 
even if you have severe allergies. Because we're talking about almost a homeopathic dose, it's so diluted by the time you're taking it that there aren't any you know, parts of pollen or flower left in the water. It's merely like an imprint of that flower or vibrational quality, or you could say similar to a homeopathic remedy. Right. Um, and then sensitivity to fragrances. Um, it's individual. I personally believe that most sensitivities are to artificial fragrances. So when you go in the department store in the perfume aisle um, or you know, you have a product with artificial fragrances, I think that's what's really disturbing most people um, yes, because it, it, it just doesn't go with the body. It doesn't, it doesn't mesh with the body. The body is wise and knows that this is not real. It's petroleum-based or chemical-based. Mm-hmm. With essential oils, it's you know generally up to the person whether or not you know how sensitive they are. Most people, I find, even if they're really sensitive to artificial fragrances, have no problem with essential oils. Now, if we're talking about flower essences, flower essences themselves have no scent at all. So you you would be taking them internally, or you could be using them externally. In the case of our products, we blend essential oils with flower essences in the the mists and the serums and perfumes. But if you're talking about just the flower essence, it doesn't have a scent. Okay, interesting. Now I have I've I've got one of your flower elixirs. So these are the drops you put under your tongue, and I've got Quiet Mind. Now, if I smell it, it definitely has a lovely fragrance. Is that mostly from the honey, or is there any, um, what am I smelling there? Yeah, you're smelling the honey, which we use desert wildflower honey, so there's a lot of flowers in that honey. Yeah, it it smells wonderful. (laughs) And then organic grape alcohol, so you might be smelling some fruity notes in there. Okay, right. And then what about the ones that you spray? Because my kids love those. They've each got one on their night table. They've kind of hijacked them. Um, the ones that you spray have a definite scent as well. So what is that? Yeah, we use a, and each one has a combination of about five or six essential oils. The joy juice is more citrus, fruity. Inner peace is more lavender, herbal, uh, floral, herbal. Infinite love is rose, honey, mandarin. Quiet Mind has spices and citrus and kind of green notes. Inspired Action is more exotic spices like pink pepper and Jamaican Bay, cardamom. And Pure Energy has coffee and cinnamon and grapefruit. So if someone said, well, I am, I still don't do well with even natural essential oils, Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. should just use the elixirs. They should just use the drops Mm -hmm. that... Yes. go under your tongue, or you can mix them in water even, right? Yep, you can either. So the way to take the elixirs is you take five drops at least five times a day. If that seems like too much work for one day, then you can put a dropper full in your water bottle and just drink that throughout the day. Or, you know, I just put them, I just put the five drops in every cup of tea, coffee, water that I drink throughout the day. Okay, so you can put it in hot liquids then too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can put it in your food and salad dressings and desserts. I mean, you can put it in anything really. You can, you can um, give it to your kids in their water or juice. Um, you can put it in your your doggy or cat's water bowl. You can share it with everyone. So, what would then be the difference 
between taking the flower essence and eating the flower? If you eat the flower, you're getting a lot of different physical biochemical processes involved, right? So you're chewing on it, all the acids and juices from your saliva are starting to digest the flower, uh, it's going through into your stomach. So you're talking about digestion, um, biochemical processes, working more on a physical level. Whereas if you're using the flower essence, that's more like getting an acupuncture treatment without the needles. So they're really just moving throughout your meridian system. Okay. Um, So I've got a question here from Evan in New York, and he says, have there been any clinical trials or scientific study done on flower essences and their measurable effects? Not really. I wish I could connect with someone to do more clinical trials because I think we would have some really fantastic, surprising results. Mm Mm-hmm. Like homeopathy, you'd probably get similar. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the kind of mm, equipment necessary to even measure flower essences is one thing. It takes a really kind of specialized equipment. Um, but actually, I'm really interested in finding partners to do clinical trials. So if there's anyone out there that wants to help put something like that together, I would love to. Mm-hmm. Because I know um, flower essences um, are much better known in Europe. I worked at um, my cousin's pharmacy. He's a pharmacy in Covent Garden in London, and I worked there off and on, just helping mm-hmm. out for a couple of years. And um, people came in all the time for the Bach flower remedies. And so not surprisingly, we have a question here from Gloria. She's from Cheltenham in the U.K., and, she, and she's asking, how does what you do compare with the Bach flower remedies? Mm-hmm. It's a very similar, it's a similar method. I mean, it's, it's essentially the same method that Dr. Edward Bach used in the 1940s. Um, it's just we use a different set of flowers from different parts of the world. Mm, I always, when I'm collecting the flowers, of course, make the intention to find exactly what we need today for what's going on with us today. Right. Um, but essentially it's the same same style of healing. You know, it's interesting what you said before about um, the harvesting and that the emotional state of the harvester is really important because I remember reading, and this is something that there is um, lots of scientific data on, is the responses of plants to emotional situations. And I remember one of the one of the studies that they did that really stuck in my brain is they had um, they had some plants lined up on a table. And then they had, and they had all the the equipment there for measuring the vibration and the tremor of the leaves and all mm-hmm. that type of stuff. And they had, um, let's say, a line of people walk past them. Let's say ten people, and yep. um, they measured it and got a control thing. And then they'd have they had the people walk by one by one, mm-hmm. and then for you know one of the person one of the people he was told, I want you to attack this plant and hack it up. Right. And so when he he attacked, you know, one of the five plants that was sitting there and hacked it up and then left. And right. then they kept measuring. And <laughs> then they had him go through again. And when he entered the room the second time, all the right. plants went ballistic. Because right. they knew, <laughs> oh, it's the hacker, he's back. And I was just like, that is unbelievable. I know. When I first read about that study, I thought, well, why aren't we using that 
to identify, I mean, you could identify crime scene um, perpetrators. You, you, there's so much information that you could tap into with plants. I'm surprised we don't do that more. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, they, they also looked at, like, if you have a house plant, that plant is so in tune with you that even if you're halfway around the world, let's say you took a trip to Moscow and had a stressful day, you're, if you, they had that same equipment that you're talking about hooked up to your houseplants, your houseplants would register that. That they're so, it doesn't matter time or space, they're that much in tune with you. That That's really amazing because, you know, it's, there's so much evidence for quantum physics to that we go you know what the quantum the basics of, of the quantum physics reality really needs to take over our reality because <laughs> it's just there's so much information that you know cuz we're really locked into our physical perception of the world right like right. i'm here you're in moscow you're too far away unless i pick up a phone but no actually you know we are completely connected at the same time and even to our house plants i mean it's it's really phenomenal it's 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 quite fun and quite amazing, but it's it's really profound when we think about all of the things that we're actually connected to. Yeah, and I I can't you know I get a fair amount of people asking about clinical trials and science, and I totally understand that. I mean, I also believe that you can't just accept anything anyone says. You know, there are there's a lot of snake oil out there as well. You you can't accept fully what anyone says, nor do you wanna you know deny anything anyone says. Sometimes you just need to put it on the shelf and wait until later. I mean, in my experience, though, of just watching people time and time again after 13 years of watching individuals and watching what happens when they're taking these fluorescences regularly, um, it just got to a point where the only reason we have a product line is I just saw so many incredible changes in people. I mean, like, in the first month, Physical, you'll see physical changes. I mean, we have tons of before and after pictures of people. Um, or, you know, I would say to people, make sure you keep your voicemail message on your cell phone. Don't change it. And then take flower essences regularly for a month. And then go back and listen and see if you can sense more tension in your vocal cords, if you sound more stressed. So people's voices mm-hmm. would change, their body language. I mean, at a certain point, when you see this over and over and over and you experience it for yourself, there's just no denying. You know you know, whether or not there's any trials, clinical trials out there or not. If you experience it for yourself, then you know. You know Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like all of my remedies. There's no clinical trials done on almost everything that I do, but right. the, the results speak for themselves. It's like, well, it either works or it doesn't work. And as long as you know that there's no negative side effects, I mean, there's, these are so gentle that even pregnant moms can take them. Um, you know there isn't going to be any negative effects, so what is there to lose, right? Yeah. By just trying. We're actually working with some midwives in Phoenix, and they're fine. we're finding some interesting things with um, the effect of flower essences on um, mother during pregnancy and the baby. And so something that's so interesting is in, in Asian cultures, when you're born, you're already considered one year old. And yeah. in the West, you're considered zero, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so my they, dad can never, my dad can never remember <laughs> our ages because he's Indian and he's like, he's like, I don't know, are you 12 or are you 13? Because he can't remember what system he's on. <laughs> Right. So they totally take into account all that time that we're spending growing in the womb. 
and it, it's quite interesting. Uh, this one woman here in Phoenix who took flower essences regularly all throughout her pregnancy for her fourth child, and she said, you just can't believe the character of this fourth child. You know, everyone's coming up and just saying, I can't believe how peaceful this baby is. I can't believe how happy this baby is. This baby never cries. And she said, I just didn't get that same kind of response of the first three children. So wow. it's, isn't it I mean, amazing to think about the the stress that a woman experiences during pregnancy? It affects, and there have been clinical trials on this, it affects how the baby's brain develops and how they later perceive the world in their adult lives. And so if we could start way from, you know, before zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. To, to give them a, a good start, that's pretty exciting. That's very, very fascinating and a whole new. Now, you said your business is really exploding. Is there interest coming from um, other countries? And are there, are you seeing a difference in how what you do is perceived, depending on whether someone's from Europe or Asia or North America? Mm-hmm. or? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I would say some of our largest customers are not in the United States. The United States as a whole, culturally, I think we tend to be more skeptical, more critical, and, you know, with good reason, and and in Canada as well. I mean, we've just we've been through the run of the mill. I think, and we've seen a lot of things, and it's made us a little more skeptical. And we've got a lot of customers in UK and Asia, and a lot of interest coming from Europe. I think there's a lot more receptivity to this kind of medicine. I've also I've never been to Australia, but I've heard that there are flower essences in just about every pharmacy in Australia. It's just a, a oh, lot. Oh well, more. yeah, that makes sense. That makes well, sense because they're they're more they're way further ahead of us on the herbal medicine field as well. And and the people there tend to turn towards the herbal first mm-hmm. and the medical if they can deal with it using the natural medicines just as a general from what I seem to pick up. Right. But but then again, I mean, I think here in the U.S. and Canada, I think that a lot of people have probably just gotten disappointed with with some of their experiences and, and are turning more towards natural medicine and are becoming more and more open. I see people way more open now than 13 years ago. 13 years ago, it was really, really hard to have these conversations. Now people yeah. are really interested, and I think also with the millennials now being um, – an age group that has now outgrown the baby boomers, and they tend right. to be a lot, a lot more open to this kind of thing. That's an interesting point, too, yeah, to take into account that their energy is going to be influencing our culture a little bit more now. Interesting. Now, how did you first become interested in, in flowers and flower essences? What's your journey, your personal journey for this? I had graduated college and I was looking for some way to help people reach their full potential. You know, I just kind of looked around and I thought, I see a lot of people who maybe don't feel totally fulfilled and how can I, you know, how can I spark them or catalyze something different in them and help people really be who they want to be. And so I just went on a search and and traveled outside of the country, studied as many forms of natural medicine that I could find, and stumbled upon a flower essence expert who is from Madrid, Spain, and studied with him for a while. And he was teaching not only about the, the beneficial effects of flowers, but in a sense of a ripple effect. 
So he would say, well, if 3% of the world's population was taking flower essences, that would be enough ripple effect that it could really positively affect the future and the outcome of the future. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that really struck me, and I felt like, wow, we could all make such a huge difference. Um, And... And yeah, so because if you if you're coming from the place where you believe you need majority, that's really discouraging, <laughs> and you get really you know down. Oh, I'll never get there. But you're absolutely right. Um, you know, to to understand that actually you don't need majority, you need a critical mass, and that can be three percent, it can be twelve percent, depending on whether you're looking at market trends or um, you know uh, philosophies and whatever. That all of a sudden becomes wow, that's really encouraging, that's so doable, we can actually accomplish some shifts right. here. Right. And that's what we—that's what I would see in consultations was that I would work primarily with women and then they would start to see their whole family dynamic shift and their coworkers and their extended families. And so I got to thinking, wow, if I could just reach you know, one person and watch their whole family dynamic change. Because if you think about how many people you affect in one day, it's yeah, quite a true. bit because you don't have to be talking, right? You could be standing next to someone in the grocery store and you're you're affecting each other. And if Absolutely. you if you take yourself to the next level and you're really at your best, then you're affecting people in a in a in a better way. And so if you think, you know, if each of us was operating at a, at our highest level, it really does have a, an exponential effect. And the world could be a so much funner, gentler, <laughs> kinder place. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, in terms of quantum physics and where I get really excited is do are we really separate? And, I mean, in, in certain cases with my clients, we watch, you know, women taking flower essences and then their husbands would start to have these incredible radical changes as well. And they weren't taking the flower essences. So we could say, okay. Um, you're sleeping in the same bed, it's rubbing off, you know, that makes sense to me. But then I have one of my most long-term clients, she came to me after about six years and said, I really, really think that me taking flower essences is affecting my extended family. And then it made me think, you know, back when I was first studying with this gentleman from Spain, and he was saying, you've got the cellular memory from your you know, family genetics. Well, then I had to ask myself, are we really separate you know are we really separate from our loved ones our family and our friends even if we're geographically distant and Mm -hmm. if we're not really separate then is it possible that if i'm you know consciously working on myself to elevate myself can that also benefit my loved ones even if they're far away and i believe yes i mean if you can prove that with plants then it must be the Mm -hmm. same with human beings right Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I've seen that over and over again in my own life and a number of people's lives, and I think the important thing to keep in mind is you don't have to say a word. You just do the work on yourself. You just shift yourself, and everything automatically can heal and be released in the people who are connected to you. And you don't have to talk about it. You don't have to evangelize. You don't have to (laughs) convince them of anything. You just have to... Heal yourself, and everything else happens automatically. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that gives that gives so much more depth and meaning and hope to what we each do in our individual lives. Because 
if it depended on how many people we saw in a day, that's one number, but we're really connected to so many more. And everything it, that we're doing is so meaningful and impactful. And if, if you think of it, like let's flip it around to the reverse. Let's say you've got someone in your family who's really negative and really toxic. There's no question of how they affect everybody around them, is there? <laughs> right? right? Like, think right. about it. We flip this right. around because we go, oh, right. maybe, yeah, maybe. But think about the toxic and negative person in your family. They totally affect everybody. Right. And Absolutely. and very noticeably. And then, you know, there I, I, I have this friend, you know, this person would even be on my mind when I'm, like, going about I'm like, what is with this? So then whenever this person came to my mind, I would just, I would send her love. I would send her love. And then that stopped that energetic resonance of the toxicity just kind of popping into my day when this person was not even, I hadn't even seen them for weeks. Right. So it's its very interesting that, that you know, we can have our proof of it if you if you want. If we look at the negative impact and then we can go, okay, so then obviously if we heal ourselves and if we are resonating positive and um you know, life-enhancing and life-expanding energy, that's going to have the same knock-on effect through our family and our friends. And Right, right, absolutely. Um, now, tell me about, I, I've, I've, well, first, for this question, I'm going to have to explain to the listeners um, what your web page looks like because I okay. think it's the most awesome homepage ever. So when you go on to Katie's site, which is lotusway.com, you are immediately faced with a selection of flowers, of blossoms, and you choose the ones you're drawn toward, and you click. And whatever you click, it goes to the flower remedy um, that suits you and that, that you've shown that you need. So tell me, first of all, how did you come up with that? Um, I just noticed that. Well, I guess it's just from working with large masses of people. I mean, we would in the in the olden days we used to set up at farmers markets and we go to events and just asking after literally asking thousands of people um, and interacting. It just sort of dawned on me that we're always always attracted to what we need most, even even if our logical mind isn't aware of that. Right. And, and and so we we just continue to test it and and now we just accept that to be true. The human be, human mind is amazing, incredible wisdom, and you'll always be attracted to what you need. If you go to the flower shop and you pick out flowers for someone, you might think it's arbitrary. It's not arbitrary. You know exactly what they need, um, even without logically understanding it. So if you visit the the web page you can pick out for example three of the pictures that are pulling you in or attract your eye or catch your eye for whatever reason could be the color the shape doesn't matter um, mm -hmm. and that usually reflects something that's going on with you right now which could change it does change as well it changes all the time right so do you like say if I were to go to your website and um, pick my flower and then order my remedy when when I've used up that remedy, should I come back again and do the process again and see if it shifted? Definitely, it okay. most likely would have shifted if you. I mean, typically, if you you pick a flower and then you get that remedy and you take that full on for the next three to four weeks, 
you'll most likely your experience will be unless you really really need that. I mean, sometimes people need that same formula, especially with the love formula. Um, sometimes people need to stay on that one for several months. But generally, you'll find that those flowers that looked really interesting to you a month ago now look kind of boring, and you feel more attracted to something else. Oh, interesting. I love that. Okay, so just in the time we have left, talk to me about way of chocolate because um, <clears throat> so this is um, a friend and, and almost kind of a sister of um, Katie's. Her name is Lisa Reinhardt, and she has set up a business called Way of Chocolate, so spelled the same way, W-E-I. And Katie, she takes your flower essences and locks them into the crystalline structure of the chocolate. Is that how it works? Mm-hmm. Yep. There are. I know more about chocolate now from through her than I ever did, and, and so interesting because there are four different crystalline structures that occur in chocolate, and oh. chocolate chocolatiers all know this. They want a particular crystal. There's only one that makes chocolate look the way that we know it to be really shiny. It snaps when you break it. Um, but you you also know when you leave a piece of chocolate in your car and it melts and then it comes back to room temperature, it doesn't look the same. Yeah. So that's taken on a different crystal structure. So the uh-huh. idea was that, well, if chocolate is in a crystalline structure, like water, then couldn't we then add flower essences and affect how that structure sets up? And And it works. And so how do people um how do people choose which chocolate they should order like should they do they choose it more and I guess how should they and how are they like are they choosing based on when they go there and they say oh that flavor looks interesting or are they uh, do you have any do you know about mm-hmm. that or Yeah I mean like I said you'll always be drawn to what you need and so whether or not you're picking it based on the color on the words on the flavor on the flowers, she's also got the flowers up there. You'll yeah. generally always get what you need. You can always trust that. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, um and and I know from spending some time with Lisa and, and she her her thing of the reason she made her chocolates the size and packaged them the way they are is so that someone unwraps it and they put it on their tongue, and it melts there. And so it's like an enforced meditation <laughs> to say stop, <laughs> right? Stop, breathe, taste, absorb this. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's because that's sort of similar to your process of saying, well, I want to do this for people. I want to um, effect healing in the world. I want to move people f- towards their potential. But what's the best vehicle for that? And so rather than saying, well, I'm going to be a, I'm going to write books and become a lecturer and a speaker and inspire people, you were like, flower essences. And so she's doing the same thing, but she's like, chocolate. And I love that. It's so holistic, you know? Yeah, she has such an interesting story. I mean, she was in Asia for, she lived in Asia for 11 years studying meditation with some of the greatest masters of all time. And she's so humble. I mean, she... She's just incredible. She did meditation retreats in caves by herself. Um, and so you can imagine after being gone for 11 years, you come back into the country, you have this tremendous culture shock, and then it's like, well, now what do I do? What job do I go and get? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and she initially tried to teach people meditation and just found you know, it wasn't really working in our culture because we're moving so fast. Um, yeah. it, it's hard to just 
you know, the, the days of going into the cave are pretty much over. Now it's more about when can we take little breaks and practice meditation during our activities um, or for, you know, five minutes, ten minutes, half an hour here and there and then let that infuse our activities into daily life. So it's perfect. You pop in a piece of chocolate, you get two minutes of time for yourself to recalibrate and it yeah. makes you more effective. Yeah, and then you're getting all of the vibrational flower essences and um, she uses gemstones. Do you use gemstones in your elixirs as well? Yes, we put one gemstone in each elixir. So, for Uh, example, an inner piece, you're drinking emerald. And in pure energy, you've got black tourmaline, which is very protective. The gemstones are, um, the gem essences are made in very much the same way as flower essences. They're just a little bit different the way that they move through the acupuncture meridians. Um, A little bit more on a physical level, but they also have emotional benefits. Right. Wow, that's been absolutely fabulous, Katie. Um, We're coming to the end of our time, but I have so enjoyed talking with you. Oh, and um, just for anybody listening, I am going to be interviewing um, Lisa Reinhart from Way of Chocolate because, as Katie said, her story is really awesome and um, definitely something that we want to, you know, share with people because it's um, very unique and very uh, encouraging, I think. So, But thank you so much, Katie, for um, sharing such amazing information today. Thank you, Jeannie. I really appreciate yeah. it. It's been it's been really you've given me a, quite a few things to think about and even just to go deeper into things that I already knew but just to sign, kind of you know go oh okay let's take that a little bit further. It's, yeah, it's I think wider. I think it's it's time to start talking about those things. I think it's time. I think maybe 10 years ago we were a little bit afraid to bring up some of these subjects, but I think people are really hungry and they're looking for more meaning and 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 want the magic and the miracles, you know, back in when we were children playing and climbing trees and playing in gardens. And, I mean, there's no doubt at that age everything is just such a discovery and we live in this incredible paradise full of miracles, mm-hmm. really. And I think we're all starving for that back. You know, we know we do live in a world like that. It's just how do we shift our mind on an everyday basis so that we can get back into that space and how magic exactly. And and that's why I love your homepage so much because it's fun, you know. Like you go, I mean, what for me? What could be more fun than going there and saying, "Pick a flower. What flower are you drawn to?" And then what does it mean? I'm like, this is so much fun. I love it. So I that's for people listening. That's lotusway.com. Lotus like the flower lotus, and then way w e i. And then I'm also going to put the link on my blog. So because you got to go click through and just try it. <laughs> I said it to all my friends. I'm like, go to this page and click through. Tell me what you got. <laughs> So thanks again, Katie. Thank you so much, Jeannie. All right, all the best. Okay, bye-bye.